Okay. Welcome to, to another Wednesday night. It's a big, we're gonna have a big show for you guys tonight. I'd like to welcome her. Frank, why don't you make that first dedication first before I forget? Okay. 
Well, I'd like to welcome, like to welcome our legends, Mr. Don Henderson in the Jersey Shore, Mr. Roger Hender up in Atlanta, and Mr. Roy Cummings here in Tampa Bay. Guys, I'm gonna say say one thing about that hockey game last night. In Miami, 1980, Bobby Nation, and on inside the offensive zone, the puck was outside, and and that's what happened. The Islanders won that game, but the officiating guys, that was horrendous. Except the one play. <laughs> Wait till we get on, Tommy, and then talk about it because you don't want to okay. uh, say the same thing twice. All right, I'll, I'll run. Okay, are we all? We're going to start out with the hockey anyway, so we're, you're going to lead us off, so we'll, just, we'll, we'll talk okay, about last night's to... game first. Tommy, before okay. we uh, do that, that uh, we have a staff member whose uh, <clears throat> wife is in serious condition at uh, Chester County Memorial Hospital, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Billy Warndell's wife. Uh, and Billy will be joining us at 8 o'clock to give us an update, as well as an update on Philadelphia sports. So today we're going to dedicate the program to Mrs. Waddell, uh, and also a very good friend of ours uh, and president of um, the um, Philadelphia City Council, uh, Anna, Anna Verna. Uh, she and her husband, Sonny, are, are uh, good friends of mine and, and mentors at, at in some points of my life. And then um, on Saturday, next Saturday, the 26th, um, we have a memorial service planned for uh, Dr. Chris Panarella, who is uh, our boxing historian on the Saturday night show. Uh, Chris mm-hmm. passed away in uh, December, but because of COVID, they weren't able to get the services in, so they're going to do that on the 26th. And then we just want to remind everybody that this Friday night, um, the 18th, at um, 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we're doing a special dedication program to the founder of the of our station, Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, uh, oh. the end of shift was uh, ten years ago on the nineteenth. You say nine to ten, Frank? Only, no, seven to nine. Time. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Seven to nine, Friday the eighteenth. Yes. Yes, Everybody sir. Can use the same call-in numbers. Hard to believe. Ten years, Frank. Yeah, I said it before. Oh. It is. It's just hard to sleep. It certainly is. There's no question about that. <laughs> I'll tell you, the time's yeah. going more more quickly all the time. Tommy, take yeah. us, get us started, Tommy. Too quick, I'm telling you. Well, last night's game was one of the worst officiated games I've seen in, in hockey in about five years. First off, Brendan Point goes toward the net, and the Islander guy cross check him in a goaltender. It was goaltender interference. Now, how can that be? And I, I, they made so many calls in front of them up there. And Don and everybody, I was going calm in the press box. I took a walk downstairs, banging doors downstairs as I went. Still frustrated by these referees. But I talked, I talked to the chief after the game. Roy, you would love this. I said, bring on, everybody loves it. Bring on Kelly, Jones, and Sulewski. Suit up of his skates. And go off the Islanders for high six. <laughs> well, let's get Roy on here because I know he saw every minute of it. So we'll get we'll get Roy's impression of what happened to the officials and the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Tommy, you're right. It, it was a very poorly officiated game, um, but you, you ought to be darn glad it was because good chance Lightning might have lost uh, had it not been yeah. so poorly officiated because Lightning scored a goal while they had seven 
skaters on the ice. Um, so, you know, the, you're, 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 I guess you forgot that part. Um, and as far as the Braden point penalty, oh, thank you. Um, so as far as the Braden point penalty goes, um, you know, that's a judgment call. And in mm-hmm. real time, you have to, you know, you have to be able to determine, you know, is the player going to be able to stop in time uh, in that situation. Yeah, he got a little nudge in the back. Um, that might have finished it off. But to be honest with you, Tommy, I, I don't think Braden Point was going to stop in time. Uh, even if he okay. did, he probably still would have collided with the goalie on that play. So uh, right. there was a real good chance he was going to get penalized on that no matter what, whether he gets the nudge or not. Um, but, look, <laughs> I guess, you know, Lightning fans, boy, they the one thing they can do is um, – they can sure complain about officiating. It, it's, it's always <laughs> even when you win. Even when you win, yep. you're down there pounding doors, and uh, your team's winning. So, um, but uh, here's the thing, guys. Back with you know what's actually happening on the ice, and and the the, the ability of the two teams. You know, I think the Islanders got their game uh, out of this. They they got what they wanted out of this uh, two game yeah, trip to Tampa. Split. They they got a split. I, I don't think they're going to win another game in the series. Um, you know, they're just – they're not significantly better than they were a year ago. Uh, Tampa's still the better team. Um, I, I expect – you know, this, this – the game yesterday went the way I expect the series to go mm-hmm. uh, and the way I expect right. most of these games to go. Tampa will probably uh, rise to the top here, and, and maybe the Islanders win a game at home based on some uh, – uh, you know, some some new excitement generated over the fact that uh, the Islanders got a shot since the first time in 84 to get to the finals here. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the fact that the fans are back and they're not, they're outside of the bubble, maybe that boosts them somehow and gets them a game at home. But um, I'll, I'll be surprised if they get any more than one more win out of this series. I think Tampa wins this one rather easily, moves on, mm-hmm. and uh, more than likely going to face uh, Vegas. And uh, that'll be a battle of the, you know, what I think are the two – two of the three best teams in the NHL this year. I, I thought Colorado was a little bit better than, uh, than Vegas, but um, Hey, when you, you face somebody one-on-one, you, then you find out who's really better. And uh, clearly Vegas right. was the better team in that uh, matchup. So. That's, that's great. And, uh, I think, I think they needed that push, like, you know, and they need that great push off the, they didn't give up the blue line too easily. Babalossi came up a couple of big saves. And, then, and that's what, when the Lightning first scored the one goal, the Allens were on the attack, and here our defenseman standing around. It wasn't for Vazza making that terrific save that got his Lightning momentum, and the Allens came back and scored. But but you hear the unsung hero today, you know, was 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 our defenseman number 44. He had, they had that slap shot from the point. Now, Roy and everybody, how many times do you ever see a slap shot from the point that goes into the, that's old-time hockey? You shoot it and you banging it, banging in the net. But I think I think we're this is the game for us to you know learn from you know learn from like you said just get a, get this game in gear for the Lightning and you know hopefully they can win it Monday night when the series Monday night. So I think I think the Islanders have to get a split in Tampa Bay. But I think it's a great I think it's a great thing for the Islanders to go to New York. And, and go to New York and try to win those two games in New York, wrap it up on Monday night at the arena. Imagine that place would go nuts, Roy, if they do that. Well, yeah, that's a couple good factors, Tommy. One, <laughs> one, you're 1-1 one, one at the moment. Uh, so all we do is go to the next one. But I think we're also 
very fortunate tonight because we're just about when we end the show, maybe 20 minutes after we uh, yeah. end the show, we're going to get a chance to see the night's play. So, because uh, they yeah. start at 9 o'clock. So, uh, I'm looking forward to that game as well. Also, look forward last night to the Brooklyn game in the NBA. Uh, that turned mm-hmm. out to be quite a ball game in the last uh, two minutes or so. And uh, the 76ers are, are playing right now. So, uh, Roger, we're oh, getting wow. to see a bunch of good things. Well, we are. You know, I uh, I text Tommy uh, after that uh, lightning loss, and I wanted to ask uh, uh, Tommy, you and I went, went back and forth, but I wanted to find out from Roy, do you think that was a uh, an omen, a positive omen for the lightning to lose that game, Roy? You know, it. Uh, here's the thing. You get in the playoffs, and, and if you have a clunker every now and then, you know, it, it's going to look, it's going to happen. It, it's very hard to play, you know, 18 straight uh, A-level games. Good. You're going to have a clunker. And, and the you know, I think the good thing was that, you know, with the Lightning was, yeah, they had a clunker. It was at home, and they, they bounced back. So, yeah, in a way, maybe it was a good thing. It's just a reminder that, uh, look, we, we got to bring it every night. We can't, uh, we, we can't be, you know, half asleep uh, just you know just skating uh, skating up right. up and down the ice we, we've got to have the right uh, energy level we got to be smart about what we're doing we can't just go out there we can't just throw the sticks out there and, and expect to win um, and I think there was a little bit of that or maybe they're a little rusty hard to know but um, they just weren't you know as engaged in that game as uh, they need to be but yeah they were clearly a lot more engaged last night um, mm-hmm. and there could be more of that going forward um, look the Islanders are a good, solid, a good, solid opponent. They're not better than Tampa Bay, um, but that doesn't mean they can't win the series. So uh, Tampa's got to take them seriously. Mm-hmm. I know they are. Um, yeah, I think the fact that they uh, they got a little bit of a wake up call, good for them. Uh, probably not oh, good yes. for the Islanders because uh, it's going to uh, you know it just shows you that um, you know Tampa's going to bring it, and when they bring it uh, and Look play down. hard five on five, uh, they they can be uh, dominating like they were uh, last night. I mean, they, they really dominated that game in a lot of ways. I mean, it could have been, it could have been, a, you know, they, they could have scored a couple other goals. Of course, Islanders could have scored a couple times too, but uh, uh, it's just an indication that, yeah, I, I think it, it was a good moment for the Lightning to be reminded that uh, yeah. you got to bring it every night here. Chris. Roy, I think just standing to that uh, from a goaltending standpoint, uh, you know, the Lightning uh, has always been consistent with their goaltending, the Islanders. Uh, is a little bit surprised in the net because uh, they made some changes during the course of the season. But in, in this particular series so far, uh, the goaltending has been pretty good. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, the Islanders have, have really shored up in the last couple of years uh, is their goaltending. Varlamov is uh, he doesn't get a lot of attention um, right. because so much. When you talk about the Islanders, you really talk about the structure. And how they shut it down, and, and and the defense that they play, the defensive style they play, and well, then of course you talk about Matthew Barzal and and some of those guys, uh, Beauvillier, mm-hmm. and you know, so the goaltenders like you know third or fourth thing that anybody mentions, but they've got solid, extremely solid goaltending, uh, better than solid, and uh, that's the thing. Is I think you know I think that goaltending can match what the Lightning are going to throw at you, right, uh, with Vasilevsky. And, uh, that's and he why, wasn't uh, even mentioned in it when they talked about the trophy, the goaltending trophy. He was his name didn't even come up. No, no, mm-hmm. it didn't. Um, and so you know they've they've certainly figured out that piece there. And look, 
it wouldn't surprise me at all because I don't think he did it in game one. Uh, I could see Varlamov stealing a game here. And, you know, and and for that to happen, you're probably going to have to see, you know, Tampa and Tampa's got this ability. You know, they're going to they're gonna foil that defense at some point. They're going to get behind it. I mean, you saw them last night. Um, they got a little smarter. Instead of trying to, you know, instead of trying to set it up all the time inside the zone, uh, you know, they're dumping and chasing and retrieving the puck and, and going that mm-hmm. way. Um, if they continue to do that, they're going to get behind the defense uh, because they've got speed on, on their side, and uh, they're going to test Varlamov a lot. But Bar- Varlamov is good enough to, te- to, to save, uh, steal a game for him. So um, that could still happen. That could definitely still happen here. Roger? I think it will. They, uh, well, you know, there's a lot of uh, getting back to the officiating. Uh, you know, I, I don't <laughs> think that the NHL – is uh, alone with bad officiating. I mean, you're seeing it in the NBA. You see it uh, almost every night in uh, baseball. And, uh, and of course, we talked about it in the NFL for years. But, uh, you know, I'm just wondering, and we've talked about it before, what can be done about this uh, bad officiating? I mean, you know, it's one thing. You've got the best players out there and everything. But there's got to be something that can be done to improve the situation so it's not a topic almost every night. Well, I think the only way – the reason it is a topic all the time is because so much of what officials do in in professional sports these days are judgment calls. It's certainly that way in football all the time. Um, You know, a strike zone is defined, but, you know, then you have umpires who – Define their own strike zone. Uh, you know, baseball is getting it right uh, by, you know, uh, reviewing plays all the time to make sure they've got it right. I don't think the mm-hmm. officials are necessarily leaning on that to, to make sure that they've got it right, but uh, they do have that, um, you know, that, that tool in their, in their kit, which is good for them because, uh, it, you know, it's kind of funny. You know, I, I watch baseball religiously, and um, it, it's kind of funny to me at a time when so much is trying to be done to speed up the game, you could probably take 20, you know, carve 20 minutes out by just eliminating all these reviews of, you know, stolen base tags and, uh, you know, plays at first base and, uh, you know, everything else. So, uh, but they're not going to do it. And, uh, you know, even the strike zone, I, I mean, I, I don't want to see them go to, you know, some kind of automatic, uh, you know, thing like they have in tennis, uh, at the U S open where, uh, you know, all the all the calls are done electronically, but um, you certainly could, and uh, that would eliminate a lot of these issues. But, uh, you know, like I said last night, uh, or like I made, like I said about that situation last night that Tommy referred to with uh, Braden Point being nudged at, uh, you know, before the penalty, um, it's a judgment call. And if in the judgment of the uh, official, Braden Point uh, was not going to, in the judgment of the official, Braden Point was not going to stop himself in time to avoid that collision. And I think even when you look at the replay in slow motion, you probably agree with that if you're objective in any way. Um, look, I mean, the, the guy got nudged about eight feet from uh, from the goalie. Uh, not even that. It was more like five feet, maybe four feet from the goalie. He wasn't going to stop in time. Um, and, and you can also make the argument that the missed uh, too many men on the ice uh, was inconsequential because uh, the, the seventh player was uh, well up the ice. But at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> Uh, Don Cherry would tell you, would tell you that uh, that matters because uh, yep. he certainly lost a critical game back in the day in the same way. So, again, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these things are judgment calls, and as long as they are, uh, you're going to have debates. 
Roger, going back to your point about baseball and, and Roy's as well and Tommy, uh, uh, they have really been outspoken now from a, a broadcast telecast standpoint about talking about the box and whether the ball's in the box, mm-hmm. out of the box, up or down. Uh, you know, for a long period of time, they really didn't make too many observations about where that ball was, whether it was two inches outside or so forth. But now, and of course, a lot of the games are being televised, not at the stadium, but they're looking at the box just like we are. And uh, mm-hmm. so there, there's much more comment now about the lack of controlling the strike zone. Mm. Yeah, you're right about that, uh, Donna. I'll take, I'll take up on that. You know, back in the day, mm-hmm. and you, I'm, you guys probably remember this, we used to talk about pitchers painting the black. And that's a reference, obviously, to the to the black uh, border around home plate. Home plate is white, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and every home plate has a, a rubber black border around it. Um, and, uh, you know, it used to be back in the day, if you could paint the black, uh, that was a strike, and, and that was a pitcher's pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, hitters, you know, didn't necessarily like it, but they accepted it. And now I think what you see with the box in, in a lot of games um, is that uh, if, you're, if the ball is anywhere on the, on the border, uh, up, down, left, right, doesn't make a difference, you know, they're going to say, okay, that's a strike. But some umpires, uh, again, they're not seeing that box. Um, you know, they've got to they've judge it based on where the letters are on the batter at, at the moment, where his knees are. You know, if one mm-hmm. batter is six foot two and the next one is uh, five foot five foot eight, you know, Jose Altuve, uh, it's different. You know, and hey, some of these umpires are older, and even some of the younger ones can't get down that low. Um, you, you don't yeah. see it all perfectly. So, again, even home, pl- you know, even balls and strikes. In some cases, they're judgment calls, and every once in a while, a guy just plain misses one. Um, you know, the thing that most people look for. Uh, especially in baseball, uh, with home plate, uh, with, with the home plate umpire, is consistency. If you're going to call this pitch a strike in inning one, then call it a strike in inning, you know, eight. And if you're going to call it for this pitcher, you call it for that pitcher. If you're going to call it for this batter, uh, you're going to call it for that batter. So as long as they're consistent, I think everybody get, you can adjust. You know what the strike zone is today. And uh, most players at this level can adjust. But um, – uh, the problem comes when uh, when there's inconsistencies all over the place, and there are a couple of ma- umpires who are horribly inconsistent. They're they're notoriously inconsistent, and that's where the uh, you know that's that's where the arguments come from. <laughs> Tommy, when you think of the umpires, you think of remember Shy Crawford. You know, it's funny. I tell you a funny story about Shy Crawford. Well, I was at you know growing Green Roger, growing up there. And he would Crawford with Shaq, Shaq Crawford's, uh, I think it was, it was probably cousin or, or, or just probably one of his brothers up there or not. And he used to say, boy, Shaq had a rough night. Two-hour game, but he's still tired. And I said, it takes time out there. You know, look over every, every pitch and crouch down so low. I give the umpires so much credit. They crouch down so low, and, you know, they try to speed up the game as much as they can. So I... You know, I wish we'd be back in a full umpire game, guys. It'd be wonderful. But it's not, so we got to replay this and that. But but still, baseball is such a great game. Just to, just, just to watch it. I'm watching Cardinals and Marlins. It's just to watch the the baseballs and everything else going like that. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tough situation in that. And the toughest job, I think, in, in baseball has got to be done, you know, 
W, you know, in a, a championship series game, right field and left field. You have to watch those corners. That's a very, that's very tough. But that's, well, I'll tell you, so, I mean, first of all, I know <laughs> Roy's not going to be happy. The Mets are up 2 nothing in the second inning over the Cubbies. Uh-oh. And, uh, uh, so they're 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 putting some runs on the wall. There's a wild pitch still good, but anyway, to make a long story short, I, I think what will surprise a lot of you is Cowboy West, because he you know he's a has a very unusual reputation as a yeah. as an umpire, but he is considered to be one of the better umpires behind the plate and has been for a long time, and he was behind the plate the other night when they just missed a bunch of I mean they just missed a bunch of calls, <laughs> right. Roger, I don't know if you saw the game or not. Part for the Hello, court. Roger. Oh. Hey, you're right about Joe West, Don. Uh, I'm like here. No, I, I did oh, there not see is. the game, Don. Yeah. Oh, okay. You, you know, you're right. right about Joe West. I mean, he is considered one of the best umpires. I mean, look, he's been, around, he's been at it forever, and, uh, you no. know, so he's got that going for him. Um, but yeah, going to set the all-time record were, this year. Yeah, when right. I said there were umpires who were a little inconsistent, Joe's one of them. You know, Joe, Joe mm-hmm. can upset some guys because you know, he's, you, you sometimes don't quite know what you're going to get. You know, he's, he's like Angel Hernandez. I mean, there's a, again, there's a few guys out there that can really frustrate players, and Joe's one of them. There's no doubt uh, he yeah. is. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, uh, you know, he's been at it for a long time. He deserves the respect. Um, is he the best umpire in baseball? Probably not. But uh, he's he's a legend. He's been at it forever, and uh, and that's good. You know, the umpires are going to get a little bit more of a, another duty come uh, come Monday when uh, they start to put into uh, start to when they're asked to enforce this rule about uh, substances for the pitchers. And this, right. is a, this has developed quite a controversy here, especially, you know, after here in Tampa, Tyler Glass now blamed that um, right. blamed that new mm-hmm. – it's not a new rule or blamed the enforcement of that rule, the coming enforcement of that rule on his decision to go cold turkey and stop cheating. Um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. Here you got a pitcher who, you know, is upset because he's, he hurt his arm. He believes he hurt it in part because – uh, he was forced to make this change and suddenly abide by the rules that are in the rule book about not using foreign substances as a, to, you know, get a better grip on the ball. Um, I mean, I sympathize with him in one regard, but at the end of the day, it's like, well, you were cheating. So should I really be upset that you're upset that, you know, when you started to follow the rules, you you couldn't do it right. And, and now you're hurt. Um, I mean, I, I look, I'm not a medical professional, but although I do play one at a newspaper, um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know that, I don't know that, uh, a, a medical professional would suggest that, you know, that change led to, uh, his injury. Uh, look, let's face mm-hmm. it, Tommy John surgery or, or, you know, torn ulnar nerves, uh, you know, that, that's, that's as commonplace as torn hamstrings in baseball these days. So, uh, you know, it, it's more than likely it's going to come from almost every pitcher anyway. This may have been coming anyway for him, but. Um, I disagree with his complaint that, you know, we didn't – I understand that changing in the middle of the season is not necessarily the best way to go about it, but it's not like they weren't given a heads up. They, you know, you had, you had a start and four uh, side sessions to work on this. And, you know, if it means you have to adjust, you have to adjust. Uh, you know, there are other ways to get a good, good grip on the ball 
they do still give you a rosin bag, and, you know, you've you got old right. fashioned yep. sweat out there. So um, there are ways to do it. Um, there are ways to do it, but it's going to be interesting come Monday to see who, um, you know, who's the first player to get te- get checked, get uh, ejected. You know, Jacob DeGrom pitching tonight for the uh, for the Mets is going to be one of those pitchers. In fact, he's going to be the first pitcher. They've got a 520 start on Monday. That'll be the first day that uh, the umpires are supposed to start checking. Jacob DeGrom, you know, <laughs> says he's not one of these guys using it. I don't believe he is. And uh, he he doesn't need any extra. Uh, he doesn't help need anyway. it, right? Right. right. So well, he's, he's doing a pretty good job tonight. tonight. He's not only up two nothing tonight. Well, they usually don't score any runs for him, but he helped himself. He got a base hit between first and second to drive in the mm-hmm. second run to lead two nothing. But uh, yeah, he usually Roy, has once to do again, that thank, he doesn't get much run support. You know, let, let me just say one thing, Don, to follow up of Roy about Rosin. I thought there was a great uh, point made last night on MLB Network. Uh, Pedro uh, went up to his microphone and took a little bit of rosin in one, a couple of fingers, and then none in the other. And he was pointing out how you can hear it, uh, you know, through a microphone, and then without it, you, you don't hear hardly anything of your fingers. I just thought it was a very, very good uh, comparison. It, it was, uh, it was Roger. I saw that as well. And, and what he did was he displayed uh, the tackiness or, 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 you know, just the, 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 the friction that comes from just the rosin right. itself. And you know what, guys, look, again, I watch baseball religiously, and I know you got another guest coming, so I'll, I'll leave you with this. But how often do you see pitchers go to the rosin bag anymore? You don't. Right. Hardly you ever see it. And, and, I mean, you used to see it all the time. I mean, right. I grew up with this game, and, and, and that used to be, you know, pitchers used to go grab that thing like every two, three pitches. And, yeah. you know, now they, they, you hardly ever see anybody use it. I think that's going to change. They're going to go back to it. They're going to have to figure out, and you know what, now is the time when you bring it back, you know, some maybe some 75-, 80-year-old uh, pitching coach just for a couple of days and say, all right, what did you guys do back in the day? You know, when uh, when they started, you know, getting rid of spitballs, you know, we got to get some some old uh, pitching coaches out there and uh, say, all right, well, here's what you do: you get a little bit of sweat in the back of your neck, you mix it with some rosin, and all of a sudden you got the same thing that you had before. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Very good. Uh, all right, Roy, thank you very much. Have and a we're great week, Roy. Back. We're going to switch back to the lighting again because Rich Beckham is on the line right now, and uh, Rick's going to give us a little insight to what he thought some of those calls were last night and also talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame. Rick, uh, Roy and Tommy sort of disagree on some of the calls, especially on point. What do you think? Well, are we on delay? We're underway. <laughs> okay. So, so I'm safe in accurately expressing my opinions on these calls. But, no, uh, the one that really stood out, and I was sitting in the stands at the end where it happened, where Point was cross-checked uh, yep. by Pelican into the goaltender and hit Varlam off. And, and, you know, he just had absolutely zero chance of controlling where he ended up, whether he hit Varlam off or not. Mm-hmm. He was totally focused on making his play with a puck and could not brace for the hit because it came directly from behind. So he didn't even know when it was coming, if it was coming. Right. And I was thinking about it, you know, 
I've been watching this game a long time, just playing off what Roy was saying about watching baseball his whole life, and I know he's watched hockey his whole life. But, you know, I can't think of a worse call in any game that I've seen. I'm sure there's there's been some others. But that, I mean, you had three players, the puck, right in the the frame of view of the referee. You know, there wasn't (laughs) anything like uh, the too many men on the ice situation where that might distract you from the corner of your eye or you might have missed something out of the corner of your eye or whatever. This was right in front of them. And, Mm. you know, they have such a mandate about calling goalie interference that it just overrides common sense. I mean, common Mm -hmm. sense watching that play (laughs) dictated that it was cross-checking on Pellick, and that was it. You know, there was nothing on point, but that's not the way it came out. Fortunately, the Lightning overcame that and won the game. Well, (laughs) Tommy, he, he sort of agrees with you and disagrees with Roy. Well, I, you know, Rick, welcome to the program, Rick. We're honored to have you on the, <laughs> Thanks, the, Tommy. the hockey on hall. On that note, hockey hall, <laughs> uh, hockey hall thing announcer. But you know, going back to the Islanders, I, you know, you know, we probably I remember this game. As long as I die, we're watching the Islanders Flyers, 1980, and Bobby Nyshum's <laughs> offsides. And and there's a puck behind him and shoots the score. Ever since I've seen that, that play, Rick, I'm like, ooh, see an Islander jersey just like to tang it up and bring it out down there. But you got you got to behave. So I mean, it was a. I, I think right now, Rick, let's see if I get your opinion. I think Yandy Gord's been the spark of this hockey team right now because when he's out there, things. Yeah, happen. I agree with you. Yep, I agree with you. I think he's gotten that line going. I think uh, you go back right. to the last series where Barkley Goodrow came back into the lineup. Uh, if it was Carolina or it was the end of the Florida series. But uh, in any case, I think it was the end of the Florida series, and he really got that line going at that oh. point. And here was a case where, you know, the Lightning didn't have a lot of spark uh, in game one, certainly. And in game two, it was kind of motoring along. And, you know, aside from a mm-hmm. great start for the Lightning uh, in terms of being able to kill an initial penalty, and actually out to shoot the Islanders on their power play on that one. Um, you know, things kind of settled down, and, and Yanni sparked things from there. I agree with you. He's had a tremendous mm-hmm. playoff, and wow. it's something where now that he's done that for a championship team, I think he's very, very comfortable in those situations where, uh, you know, it becomes apparent, hey, we need a spark. We need somebody to do something yeah. here that's going to turn the tide of momentum in a game, and he's not going to be afraid to do that because he's done it at the most important time and in a championship drive like they had last year. So uh, mm-hmm. I totally agree with you there, Tom. Roger, Rick, just go ahead. Go ahead, Tommy. Yeah, go ahead. I think it was a great thing about that to have number 26 in the building last night, and he rang that bell and smiled. And that's more and more, I see on the mortgage thing, the way he was playing those days before he used to give those speeches, you know. <laughs> it's like he was having That's right, a Tommy. Oh, God. I you used to inspire him, so now he inspired the team. So there you go. But, um, no, yeah, as soon as I saw Marty up there uh, pressing the button to uh, to turn on the Tesla coils, I turned to my wife and son, and I said, he played so well against the light or against the Islanders 
in those playoff yes. series in 03 yes. and, and, uh, and 04 that, uh, you know, he's the perfect guy to have in this situation where they really need exactly. a win. And, you know, we always look back on uh, my, one of my very favorite goals in following this team through the years was at the Nassau Coliseum. Uh, the Islanders had taken a series lead against the Lightning, and, you know, they were high and mighty on their home ice, kind of how we expect right. them to come out tomorrow. And Marty right. just deflated the whole building, stole the puck from Kenny Onsen, uh, comes mm-hmm. in and, and scores a shorthanded goal, and it was, it was just a tremendous goal for the Lightning at that point. And then, of course, mm-hmm. the uh, the series ender, um, you know, on Rick DiPietro. So uh, he was just right. the perfect guy to have in that situation. I tell you, that guy too. <laughs> Rick, let me ask you, assuming, and I think it's a pretty good assumption, that the um, Lightning will be in the Stanley Cup uh, final. Do you think, what do you think the uh, the experience will be, or what can we expect, in your opinion, when you're going to be playing a Canadian team that you have not seen all year, other than you have scouts <laughs> and, and video? <laughs> I mean, well, you know, you're assuming you a think? lot here. Uh, this is this yeah. is going to be a real tight series here with the Lightning and Islanders, and uh, a Canadian team will we'll have to wait until the, tonight's game is done to see if they're uh, down 2-0 or even with Vegas. But uh, um, I think uh, the experience factor, we've seen it already. I think it, it made a tremendous difference in the Florida series and how they were just able to get to that championship gear that the Panthers, I think, were kind of left wide-eyed at that point late in the series when, you know, Spencer Knight had come in, he'd sparked the Panthers, and and they're strutting around and and thinking, wow, we're going to pull the upset. This is great. and They're getting all excited, Mm -hmm. and and the Lightning go about their business. And whether it was a puck battle in the corner, a hit along the boards, a battle in front of the net, an extra burst of speed, the, the Lightning were able to find that gear that they learned how to reach last year in the drive for the Stanley Cup. And that propelled mm-hmm. them in that series. And I think they found that same gear in putting away the Hurricanes, who looked a little bewildered by the end of things uh, in yes. game number five in that one. Yes, they did. Rick, it's wow. sort of interesting, again, that uh, we uh, – we spent a lot of time with Roy in the first half hour and talked about the Lightning. He really feels that the uh, that the Lightning are going to go straight out from here, that it could be a five and at most a six-game series. He said, I don't think the Islanders are going to win another game. I agree with you. I think this is still going to be a long way to go. I think the Lightning will get this in six. Um, but, you yep. know, once again, they'll get to that championship gear. But uh, I think the Islanders will take one of these games on their home ice and then the Lightning figure out, uh, you know, just what they um, they have to do to take over this series. I mean, the point was made, mm-hmm. first time they've played someone out of their division all season, that's just got to be a, a weird feeling for players on both sides mm-hmm. and in both these series uh, that right. you have such an unusual circumstance like that. But I mm-hmm. think that both will have a pretty good read on what's going on, and more importantly, the Lightning in terms of their edge in uh, in skill level and experience, their depth certainly is everything that the Islanders have and more. Uh, I think that all kind of comes to the 
uh, rises to the top uh, as you get into the later stages of the series. You know, there's I a, think there, there's right a lot that. going on. Uh, go ahead, Tommy. No, I, I, I read about that. It's, the last night's game was probably in the best. You know, they needed that game in a worse way. Now you go up to the island, you feel good about yourself. Not being 0-2, you're 1-1 during the island. And we get the home ice advantage. You get to take those two games in New York. Games, you know, then you play the game Monday night at the arena. So this could be a fun series. And I, 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 Rick, I talked to Chief last night upstairs. I said, no, Chief, what we need to do is get Dave Schultz, Don Selesky, and Bob Kelly on the line against the <laughs> <laughs> That'll take care of things, Rick. Yeah, I'll tell you what, the fourth line, and you're kind of alluding to that in terms of, you know, what broke out at the end of the game. And uh, I think yeah. Anthony Sorelli kind of got taken advantage of there. He had been out. And remember, there were repeated icing calls, right? The Lightning couldn't change personnel. Yep. And right. it was while the Islanders had pulled the goaltender for the extra attacker. And he stuck out there for about a two-and-a-half-minute shift. And, right. you know, you're on high alert for that that amount of time. You, you've got to be exhausted by the end of that. And I think Zajac kind of mm-hmm. took advantage of that situation and that, oh, and that battle at the end of the game. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think from a physical standpoint, the Islanders are, uh, compared to last year, uh, a little grittier, a little more physical. I think Mayfield is a, is a better player. He's certainly a tough guy. Uh, but he's a better player than he was last year. So Zika's missed the series because he had the uh, detached retina last year. So now you've got him in the mix. And they're just a more mature team. They've had another year under trot. So I think they're a better team than they were last year. And mm-hmm. that grit factor is going to be very, very important as they go along here. And, and uh, you know, it's fun to see a kid like Ross Colton step up in that uh uh, sense yeah. and taking on bigger guys that that fourth line has has been very effective, picking up a lot of uh, of confidence from the uh, the end of the Carolina series where they were really really good. And we yeah, also so talked in the first half hour about the goaltending. Torch got a little bit of a surprise, I think, with how good his goaltending has been during the course of the playoffs, and uh, it, it's proven true in this series as well. Yeah, I, I think you look at Vassy and, uh, you know, I'm sure he was not happy with his game one. Uh, but, you know, the stat now for the last two years for the Lightning, 11-0 and after a playoff loss in the drive to the Cup last year and so far this year. And he's just such a major part of it. I think from now being uh, a fan in the stands, um, I'm sure I could recognize this from the booth, but being a fan in the stands among uh, the 18,000 or whatever at the game, I know they had a lower figure that they announced, but it hardly looks like there's an empty seat in the, in the building and all the noise, but just how that noise level goes up exponentially mm-hmm. when Vasilevsky is introduced. He has just taken over yes. Bolt's name right. in terms of uh, the adoration and, and why not? Because, you know, he's there every single night. He knows how right. to buckle down and you can tell there's nights where hey I don't think Vassie's going to give one up tonight and I think that feeds through the team on the other hand mm-hmm. you know Florida went through three goalies Carolina went through two goalies went back to the first right. one and obviously through an injury uh, Sorokin got to play last night but they faced seven goaltenders so far in less than three full rounds of Stanley Cup play and at the other end the guy stands alone he's played every minute last year and every minute so far this year 
Hmm. Tommy? That's, that's right. Well, that's right about that. When you think about that, you know, Rick, that crowd where guys gets on the ice and they announce Andre Vavileski, he's, he's like, they're, they're fired up. And this kind of reminds me of the days, um, probably you guys remember this, Bernie Perrant days in Philadelphia, back-to-back cup years. Friends would say, Bernie, Bernie. You know, not Bernie's for the movie Bernie, but you know, the name of Bernie Perrant. I remember that. So I think, I think Fazzy's, you know, he's, you know, obviously since they traded Ben Bishop to, you know, whatever, they, we traded Ben Bishop to, this Fazzy's took a lot. We learned under Ben Bishop. You know, how they... Well, Tommy, the one thing you can say about that was that Bernie Perrant was by far the superior goal at the time. And I think, Fazzy, as you just indicated, uh, Rick, you know, he's in a class by himself right now. So I think the two uh, goalies are comparable in that sense. They knew when they had to win, and, and they did exactly that. Yeah, he's, he's developed into that, and, and he's still so young. I think he's, what, 28 years old? <laughs> that's uh, That's got to be very comforting for Lightning fans to know that uh, he's he's under contract for a long time, and he's still in – just getting into his prime as far as goalies are concerned. And knock on wood, he stays healthy because, uh, you know, you could just build a uh, a Stanley Cup contender year in, year out for a decade behind a guy like that. Roger, absolutely. Yeah, Rick, you know, uh, the uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, I was thinking about uh, the there's so much uh, controversy. Well, they, a lot of a uh, lot of movement with coaches uh, in the NHL, and you had mentioned uh, uh, about the uh, uh, Carolina and uh, what Rod Brindamore, right, is the uh, uh, coach, and he's going to go probably to another team. And uh, you Ranger. know the Rangers just got a new coach and has had a great career. Uh, what do you think about some of these coaching uh, moves that are being made? Well, I think there's some. Uh, I think they're making way some of these teams who have made coaching changes, in in most cases, for young guys to come in and become a head coach. Brad Larson in Columbus taking over for John right. Tortorella. Of course, he had been right. his longtime as a, assistant there, and and he's getting mm-hmm. his first chance to be a head coach in Arizona. They certainly seem to be leaning toward candidates who've never been a head coach before, including Benoit Gru, who's uh, done a, just a fantastic job coaching uh, the Syracuse Crunch, uh, the Lightning's affiliate, and has helped develop Ross Colton. And, you know, you could probably name six or seven guys through the years that he's been associated with Syracuse. Yeah, you know, he's more of a veteran hockey coach, but he's never mm-hmm. coached uh, at the NHL level as in a head coach position. So, he may get that Arizona job. So on one hand, you're seeing opportunities for younger guys. On the other hand, um, you know, Gerard Gallant's all set with the Rangers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Brindamore. One thing I read today was that it, it it's leaning toward they're going to come up with some agreement. But, of course, Brindamore has put one caveat in there. He says, not only do I want a new contract, and this is what I want, I want my all my yep. assistants. The equipment guys, the trainers, all taken care of with new deals. And whether that happens, uh, we'll see. Tom Dundon, you know, has been reluctant to, to really pass around too many raises, I think, in, in running the Hurricanes, but we'll see what develops there. But you've got a Rick Tockett out there who, exactly. you know, I, 
I really admire him. He's a heck of a guy, and I think he's a very good coach. And Steven Stamkos would be the first to tell you he's a very good coach because he really helped him in Steven's rookie season as he got mm-hmm. thrust into the head coaching job after Barry Melrose flamed out after 16 mm-hmm. games. But, um, you know, there's a guy that just has had bad luck. He's been an assistant on two Stanley Cup winners in Pittsburgh, but his head coaching opportunities have been with organizations that just didn't surround him with the right resources. And really, you know, certainly the Lightning in one instance, obviously Arizona is another one where from the top, they really lacked the, the, the championship um, approach that, you know, he deserves an opportunity to coach under. So we'll see what happens with Rick and maybe, uh, you know, Seattle with Ron Francis out there with the new team and uh, as the Kraken. Rick, we'll leave it right there. And uh, we'll hope uh, there's all many more times before this thing is all over. And a lot of insight always from you and appreciate it very, very much. Thank you so much for being with us. Rick, always pleasure. a pleasure you... to talk with you. We appreciate it. You're you're really insightful. Learn a lot. Well, thank you very That's much, guys. Great best. to be with you. And if you ever want a distorted view of uh, NHL officiating, you just call me and uh... <laughs> <laughs> you you and Tommy. Sure, I'm wrong in interpretation uh, of rules and situations, but that's how I saw that one anyway. But hope we don't have another situation like that again. All right, Rick. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank well, now we're going to go for the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs. We're going to go to the the Open, the United States Open, and it's in Mickelson's backyard. And Mickelson, always a favorite out there on the West Coast. And uh, Tony Leodora, who is golfing, the uh, traveling golfer on Comcast and uh, does many, many other things involved with Comcast and with a radio show in Philadelphia and is our expert on the world of golf. So, mm-hmm. Tony, very nice to have you with us again. Well, Hello, Don and the rest of the boys. Thanks a lot for having me on U.S. Open Week. It oh. is a busy time in sports. you got the NBA playoffs, the Stanley Cup, the U.S. Open. Uh, of course, baseball mm-hmm. is finishing the first third of the season. Pretty uh, wild times, but for this weekend, as always, Father's Day weekend, U.S. Open takes center stage at this year at Torrey Pines out in San Diego, and it should be a great week of golf. Are you going to go out, Tony? I am. The last thing I'm going to do is do any more traveling. I am in the final day of a 30-day, 3,000-mile driving trip to shoot five television shows and two features, and I am mm. headed home this weekend, and I don't want to go in a car for a long, long time, or a plane. <laughs> I am Just sit one down and relax weary. at the recliner, right, Tony? That's Get right, in that recliner. Absolutely. Yeah, boy, I'm rude. Well, well let, me, let me throw one question at you, then we'll get the rest of the guys involved here. Uh, yeah. You know, Mickles was such a surprise at the PGA, and as you said, Tory Pines is his backyard, and uh, Mike Johnson, we uh, were hoping to have Mike on because he did a story on Mickel said when he was a 15-year-old amateur, he wrote a great piece in the Philadelphia Inquirer a few weeks ago about it. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? What do you think about Mickelson? Can he make it two amazing upsets in a row? 
I didn't think you could make it one, but uh, so I, I would be very surprised. I just think there's way too much pressure on him now. And, uh, you know, he had his his moment in the sun and his run. Guys, when they're 50 years old, the great players usually get one one shot, and uh, that's, that's probably it. So I, I don't expect Phil to do anything out at Torrey Pines, even though he is a, uh, like you said, uh, grew up in that area. And I, I think – if anybody with local knowledge is going to do anything this week, it's going to be Xander Shockley. He's played a thousand rounds on Torrey Pines, and he uh, is a terrific player in the in the majors. He has done fairly well, hasn't won anything, but you know he's up on that leaderboard a lot. He had a great run in the PGA, and we'll see what he does here. I think uh, I think he'd be one to look at. Tony Leodore, our special guest. Tommy, you're our resident golfer. Go to it. Okay. Oh, well, welcome aboard, sir. Thanks for coming on tonight. I, I, I just, I, I got a funny feeling that Phil's going to play at home course. He's played Tory Pines before. I think he's going to come out with his championship. That, that's what I think of right now. Well, you would certainly be the fan favorite. There's no question about that. Oh, oh my gosh, God, yeah. he's the fan favorite. But I think it's I love to see him win that championship because this way he's been been to have the the have a great great year two two majors in a year age fifty you can't beat that that's wonderful. But what do you think is that Tory Pines that's located on the ocean right? What's going to be a stimulus for the guys who played off the ocean breeze up there on those on that golf course? Well, there's a there was a bit of breeze today, so there's going to be uh, some challenge if the if the wind stays up. But you know it, it goes up and down there. And not all of the courses right on the ocean. Certainly the okay, second yeah. hole, the famous hole is right there. But, um, you yeah, know, we'll have to see. There was a good good amount of breeze there today. Mm. And, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see how that plays out. Um, you know, when you talk about the other favorites in this, I just saw a, a panel of supposed experts, and everybody – there's like seven or eight of them. All of them in their top four had the same one guy who was in all eight of them. And it's the mm. guy that had the greatest disappointment of all this year, John Rahm, who was leading the uh, Memorial by six shots when he had to pull out because of COVID. Um, oh, I no. think he also falls into the category of a little both, too much pressure both, on him right both, now. Shan, both, he didn't want to play with Rahm. He turned, he turned that match up down. Yep. Yeah, mm. it's... Uh, Talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, who knows who gets how freaked out anybody gets over COVID anymore. It's uh, I know all I know is that Rom admitted today in a story that he should have gotten the uh, vaccination. He was lax in that, and you know, it, and it cost him. It cost him a big tournament. So maybe mm. maybe Chris, maybe Chris Paul from the Phoenix Suns is thinking the same thing right now. He had his best game of his career the other night, and he probably went out and celebrated. I don't know what the heck he did, but now he's in the uh, COVID protocol. Right. Oh, no. Stupid. Roger, you, you, can know, finish up this, you can finish yeah. up this section, Rob, before we get Billy Wardell up next. Well, uh, Tony, a couple things. Number one, good to hear you. Uh, and also, uh, I think too, that Roger. you ought to have that radio show on the PGA uh Network on Sirius XM. Okay, I think that would be a very, very uh, great addition. 
But, you know, the other thing, talking about COVID, because, you know, you've covered not only golf, but everything over your uh, career, uh, the NFL is putting a lot of pressure on players to get vaccinated. And what's your opinion about this as far as, you know, athletes in general? Uh, You know, they unfortunately have to come in such, such close contact. A lot of the rest of us over the last year, could work without being, you know, laying on top of each other, <laughs> being in each other's faces, et cetera. Um, I mean, if I was in that situation, I'd have to try and get protected as quickly as possible. You're, you know, you can't avoid the contact. You see them, they're supposed to wear masks on the bench and stuff. They wear them and then they turn to each other to talk and they pull them down and talk inches from each other's mouth. So, you know, right. they're obviously not following common sense at times so that you better get you better get protected exactly oh, well, I agree tony, with you. tony thank you very much we'll talk to you again after the tournament is over and uh, we'll thank see whether your whether your selection comes out a winner who's played over a thousand rounds as you said yeah. on that course yeah it, well he would be a good one. my number one pick is rory mcelroy though we'll see how that goes to all of you guys there i wish you a happy father's day I hope you get yes. treated well on Sunday. You watch the U.S. Open and have a uh, great day on the couch. <laughs> and same to you. Okay, get to Tony, we'll look, forward, we'll look forward to you coming back, Tony. Thank you very, very much always. Thank you, guys. Always great to talk to you. Take care, Tony. William Warndale is hanging on the line right now. And, uh, boy, we've got so many things to talk about with William Warndale. Right now, the 76ers are in great shape. They're up. 40 to 28, laying in it, you know, in the second quarter. But, Billy, uh, you, you got so many conversations on baseball, so many things on the NBA, so many things in hockey. Uh, let's start with the Phillies because uh, they're, in, they're an enigma. Well, certainly the enigma is even becoming even greater right now because people don't know the status of Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper has uh, had back problems since late last year. Now, he signed that $330 million contract. I hope it doesn't come back to haunt him, and and he's not able to fulfill at least half of that contract. And uh, Segura is out with a uh, pulled muscle in his leg. So, I mean, they are an enigma. Uh, The way they play uh, on the road is so drastically different than the way they play at home. Don, I want to hit on something that I'm really ticked off about. Major Let's League Baseball. Major League Baseball is now going to crack down on pitchers using a foreign substance uh, on the baseball. <laughs> this is going back hundreds of years, over 125 <laughs> years of baseball, where pitchers attempted to doctor up the ball. I mean, I remember Pedro Ramos had Vaseline all over his his uniform, and they, they made him go in the du- uh, dugout and up to the locker room and take his jersey off. I mean, we know Gaylord Purry's in the Hall of Fame. He was a spitball guy. Spitball, my <laughs> spitball pitcher but legally was Burley Grimes, and he was grandfathered. Now, now this is what bothers me the most. They're, they're trying to come down on the pitchers, all right? Why don't we come down on the analytics? Because they have ruined this game there we of go. baseball. Absolutely right. ruined yeah. it. And, and, you know, it's a walk, strikeout, or a home run. That's it. No hit and run, mm-hmm. 
uh, no stolen bases, nothing. I mean, a home run is a rally killer a lot of times. And, you know, I want to keep the carousel moving. But this is a, a, a complete sham on Major League Baseball. The pitchers are doctoring the ball up. They've been doing it for years, ages. Right. Guys, you know, the seams are so – they're not even seams on a baseball anymore. But you can still work with them a little bit. But this stuff is just totally ludicrous. And Rob Manford and his band of Murray men in the Major League Baseball <laughs> office should be ashamed of themselves because they really are not governing the game in the best interest. Get rid of these geeks and their, uh, and their little computers and get yep. them out and get back to playing baseball. Right. So I'm with you 100%. Believe me, I feel the same way. It's, a, it's absolutely disgusting uh, to, to watch what is going on. But I also want to find out about your wife because Frank brought it yeah. up earlier. Is she doing okay? She's doing well. She's still in the hospital. Good. She's doing well. And this has taken my mind off, and I appreciate you guys having me on your yeah. show. And I, I blew awesome. it last week. I'm very sorry about that. Uh, but uh, we'll get back on track. But, again, Major League Baseball. I don't even mm-hmm. recognize this game. I mean, guys, the <laughs> no. shift. All right, Ted Williams, they put the shift on because he was a 341 lifetime hitter. They put the shift on against a 235 average hitter. Come on, give me a break, guys. I mean, this is – and pitchers are getting upset because they can't pitch a certain way because if the guy goes the other way – if these guys start going the other way, you're going to see the shift disappear immediately. Mm. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. Absolutely. Let's go back to your opening point, Billy. Uh, uh, Joe Girardi took a terrible hit for about two or three days on what happened with Harper. I mean, uh, you know, not mm. saying that he was going to be out of the lineup, not saying that he wasn't going to be able to play, and uh, he, he really took some heat on that. Well, I'll tell you one thing. The guy that should take the heat is the owner of the ball club because this is not Joe Girardi's decision. This is dictated from above with Dave yep. Dombrowski and John Middleton saying, hey, we got to cover our bases because there's a $330 million stake involved. And hmm. I, I really believe John – where's John Middleton been during all this? Good point. It, it, yeah. Where is John Middleton? Back in the day when you wanted to talk to Ruby Carpenter or Bill Giles, or even Dave Montgomery, they were available. These owners hide and run Mm -hmm. away. If I'm supposedly a hands-on owner like John Middleton is, I'm going to step up to the plate, and I'm going to protect my manager, and I'm going to protect my players and my general manager. I'm the guy that signed him for $330 million. Now, if this back continues to deteriorate, they're not going to get $330 million out of Bryce Harper. Well, Billy, he got bamboozled well, you know what? that side. I mean, he was bidding against himself. So, uh, you know, that, that turned out That's to right. be a disaster. Let's get Tommy. Get Tommy in here for a minute. Go ahead, Tommy. Well, Billy, first of all, thanks for coming on. Your wife should be in my prayers tonight. That's great. But Thank the, you. The thing, is, the thing is about baseball is not the same. I mean, you, you never see a sacrifice bunt. You never see a you know like a 
this is this is, you know a single RBI. These guys are going for a home run or trying to get it, take walks, or that's about it. Or they strike out or hit a home run in baseball. And I, you know, I'm used to the old Philly days of you know Bowling, Mike Schmidt, and Greg Luzinski. They moved the runners around with Dallas Green moving the moving the runners around. I just uh, I watched a couple of the games and I said, I can't get into this anymore. I mean, it's, and not the way baseball that, you know, we watched growing up in Philadelphia and, and I spent time in Cleveland too. This not the, it's not the same, you know, it's not the well, same. Well, right the deal. Now. You're absolutely right. Now they start the extra things with a man on th- a second base oh. and you're coming up and you only need a run. If you're the home team, you only need one run to score. Why don't oh. you punt? Why don't you bunt the baseball? Exactly. Not that hard. Right. It's not rocket scientists. <laughs> they don't know how to bunt, Billy. They don't know how to bunt. Well, that's the problem. The, the fundamentals the have been removed because of the analytics. And they have really right. destroyed not only baseball. They're destroying football. They're destroying basketball. They're destroying hockey. Little by little. Mm-hmm. I talked to some people. They said, there's no football people anymore. There's no basketball people anymore oh, in these big oh. uh, offices on Park Avenue. There's no hockey people or basketball or baseball people. They're all lawyers or analytics people. Yep. We're, we're, we got right. away from baseball. We got away from baseball people, guys who came up through the ranks, who maybe weren't good enough to be a major league player, but they became a, a coach or a manager or a scout. Uh, but we don't have that anymore. We have these geeks running around that have never played wiffle ball, let alone hardball, and, and they're making decisions <laughs> on players. I know, stupid. Roger, you're up. <laughs> no, you know, Bill, I to- I totally agree with you, and um, I you you may have uh, have heard it. Well, I wanted to, two two things, um, but the first one was you may have heard Ray Dinger's. Uh, I think it's. Um, uh, where is he? You know the feature that they do with Glenn and yeah, uh, on Ray on yeah. uh, Saturday. He did it with Troy Vincent, and of course, you know, <laughs> and I know Troy pretty well. I did a radio show with him for two years, and I'll tell you, I I, I got I went uh, emailed Ray right afterwards. We you know he and responded. That was I thought a great interview of insight and also about current. Uh, controversies in the NFL, domestic abuse, okay, number one. And I just think if you heard it, everybody ought to hear it. It really was a pers- a, a, an official, the executive VP of operations for the NFL, who has been through it all and has taken advantage of every opportunity. And uh, I, I was just uh, so impressed with that. But I agree with you on uh, Middleton. I have no idea where he is. I mean, and the other thing is they had a good a, 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 a good piece the other day on uh, Harper. And uh, I think he got his GED at 15 years old. He was, what, in the major leagues playing at 16 or 17. And he plays Amazing. hard. He swings hard. And now it's, he's 28 years old, and he crashes into fences. And maybe that has taken its toll on him because of how long he's already been in the major leagues. What do you think about well, that? But that, that's a possibility. I mean, again, the body can only take so many swings, especially with a ferocity he swings the bat. I mean, he, he he doesn't have an easy, nice, easy stroke. It's 
ferocious when he swings the bat. And that's what, that right. torque is taking its toll on his back. I'm no doctor, but you can figure mm-hmm. that out. I mean, right, right. you know, you just look at that and you scratch your head and say, how long can he maintain this uh, uh, during his career? I mean, I mm-hmm. just I hope he can because if he doesn't, John Middleton and the Phillies have a albatross, beyond albatross, on their neck. Yeah. Really, uh, well, let's, let's get to the NBA for a minute because the 76ers looks like they're going to be going <laughs> up against uh, Brooklyn, even though uh, they've <laughs> they've Durant's the only guy that really is playing at 100%. Uh, the big three and all the money, we talk about all the money you know, <laughs> that the Phillies paid out for Harper. How about all the money that Brooklyn Nets have played out for a team that their superstars only played, what, nine games together all season. So uh, what do you, what do you Don, think about is, the matchup is, that comes out to the Sixers and, and Brooklyn? Don, you bring up a very good point. All this money they spent for our dream teams, all right? Look at all these nightmares with injuries. The amount of injuries in sports now is just astronomical. We've got to look mm-hmm. at our conditioning, how we train these guys for the season, the whole deal. I mean, it, it's just totally out of control. <clears throat> Players back in the day wouldn't miss time because they didn't want to be, be replaced in the lineup. But today, right. the, the, the amount of injuries is just mind-boggling. If you stub your finger, you're out for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hangnail. Two weeks. You're right. You're Hangnail. Broken But Wait a minute, brother. You got to add in if you don't feel like playing. You're, we need a rest tonight. Or we need a rest for the next. You're making $80 million for your contract. I got to take a rest for two or three days. Don, let me answer this question. Uh, all you gentlemen, because you guys are very knowledgeable. Will Chamberlain averaged almost 48 minutes a game, 48 <laughs> minutes a game, and they had to fly commercial, the whole deal. It, it's mm-hmm. absolutely mind-boggling that these guys can't play a whole season. There's a few guys that will play a whole season, but it's mind-boggling today. Guys have obliques, pectoral, you know, it's it's unbelievable. It's incredible. <laughs> you know who else I used to love, Bill, was Paul Arizon, an asthmatic. It's in Paul. And, boy, he never missed a game, okay? No, he didn't. Right. But, you know, again, these Paul guys, because they got guaranteed contracts, yes. and, and these the, the coaches have no control or manager over the player. Uh, the Billy, the other yeah. point you have to make is that they they choose what team they want to play on now. They can be making $100 million, and they go in at the beginning of, uh, uh, of the season and say, I don't want to play here anymore. I want to play in Cheyenne, Wyoming or something. I mean, what kind of a right. commission allows stuff like this? Well, remember when uh, Finley was fading off his players and Bowie Coon jumped in with Rudy and – and, uh, right. and Bobby, those guys, not Bobby Grits, but uh, Rudy and uh, uh, I think Catfish Hunter, people like that. He, he deemed the uh, deal uh, voided. He voided the deal. I mean, it's, right. it, it's mm-hmm. just totally ridiculous. And when you get upset with the coach, I want to be traded. I, I don't want a manager. Yeah. I want to be traded. I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And it now is filtered down the college ranks, 
with this portal where guys can transfer at the drop of a hat. I mean, it's just, it's mind-boggling to me. It's just totally mind-boggling what is happening in sports today. And it's like a runaway freight train. And I'll tell you one thing. If people start cutting the cable like they are across the country at record pace, these mm-hmm. franchises are going to be in big, big trouble, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, or hockey. They're going to be big, big trouble. Look, I like to see a guy make as much as he can, all right? But, you know, mm-hmm. sports created this monster. And yeah, the monster right. was nipped in the bud by Marvin Miller when he formed the Players Association in baseball. And then the players had a lot more freedom. Now the pendulum has swung all the way to the other side. The owners used to mm. have the hammer. Now the players have the hammer. So That's right. It, it, it's amazing what has happened. Well, you know, Andrew, I'm last question with Billy before we go to Mike. Go ahead. I was just going to say you probably saw the article in the Post Don, you may have seen it too, Bill. LeBron says, oh, the, the NBA's all screwed up because they didn't listen to me. No, one of the reasons <laughs> it's all screwed up is because of you, not yeah, because, you know. Well, I mean, again, that's my opinion about that. Well, the thing is that, as I said, it's totally out of control. The ownership, you know, they're giving out these big mega contracts. Look, I agree with Charlie Finley many, many years ago, and he had the right formula. Every player is a free agent after every year, and that would really create an interesting situation, wouldn't it? Because every year a player would be playing for his contract. Every year he'd have to max out. You you, Mm -hmm. you couldn't afford to take time off. And I, I really like that approach that, you know, every year you have to come in and prove yourself. You had to do that. Back in the day, whether it was baseball, mm-hmm. football, basketball, or hockey, you had to prove you could play. And you didn't get five, six-year deals. You got year-to-year, maybe a two-year contract if you were a great, great player, but not right. a utility infielder or a backup guard on the basketball team. Uh, that, that's the problem. Or, or a backup guard on a football team or a tackle. It's just totally absurd what is happening in the world of sports today. Billy, we'll end it right there. We'll have you on again, obviously, in the near future. Uh, secondly, as, as Roger indicated at the very top of the show, uh, very best of luck health-wise to your bride. Uh, yes. I hope the emergency gets uh, goes, goes fast, and we'll have a chance to chat with you uh, as soon as possible. Frank Keep and us Don posted, and everybody, Bill. Roger, let me, let me tell you something. You guys have my number. You can always feel free. Sometimes I, mm-hmm. I have a senior moment. Well, I don't pick up right away, but uh, I just enjoy coming on, on with you guys. Now, oh, Don's not a you. senior, you know. Gentlemen, you know Don is not a senior, all right? Anderson <laughs> is like Jack Kenny. He's only 35 years old. You know, when he has a birthday, he subtracts numbers, all right? Billy, Billy, you got two days before. Wait a minute now. You got two days before I go to 87. Two days to go. Let let, let, let me say this, Don. Don, as I've known you for many, many years, you don't (laughs) count real well, all right? You make 87 
uh, you know, age-wise, but you have the brain of a 25 or 30-year-old. You're, you're, you're right. still, still have the zest and vitality of, of these young guys. Well, Billy, we've had a lot you're, of fun over the right, years. And once again, does. He, thank he, you he, very, very he, much. And we look forward to the next time you stop in with us. Well, thank happy you. Father's Day to all you guys. And I appreciate too, the Bill. time on the show. And you, you guys are terrific. And anytime I can help out, I know I say some things off the wall, but I, I think we I have a it. pretty good feel what's going on I love with it, sports yeah. today. Absolutely. Thank you very Thank you, much. Bill. Always always yeah. informative and always a lot of fun, Billy. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, Bill. Like Zimzak is ready to, to uh, open up for Washington, D.C. We're making a move around the country tonight. We're going all over the place. So we'll go to the Washington, Baltimore area. Uh, there's a lot of big-time soccer going on right now around the world. <laughs> and... Uh, also some uh, soccer locally as well. So maybe this week we'll start with soccer, Mike, rather than to start with some of the other sports and get your opinion on what's going on. Well, Don, did I just hear that you're about to turn 87? 87 uh, on the 18th. Uh-huh. I, I, I thought that you were – I thought you were 37. <laughs> you guys get back to sports. Get back to sports. Don't worry about it. I thought you were younger than I was. Well, you know, well, that's, all that's I can say I look is, younger. Uh, you know, when we do we do the uh, the memorial to uh, Bob on on Friday night, uh, that'll be a, a down point. But we'll have the up point of celebrating your birthday of eighty seven. Yes, yep. we will. He, we, we keep rolling. I was in New York last night. My son uh, uh, took the family all out to dinner, and uh, we got an early celebration. So uh, feel good. And, Mike, let's get back to sports. And, uh, give us a <laughs> give us an um, up, a thumbnail uh, uh, sketch of what's happening. As far as soccer goes, it's really an interesting point in time. Um, we've got both the European Championships and the uh, Copa America. So the European Championships and the South American Championships going on both at the same time. And you can sit and watch soccer from 9 until midnight at three-hour intervals and be very, very pleased at what you're saying. So I guess the first thing I'm going to see is – Mike there? Hello, Mike. Yeah, he's uh, his he's uh, he's on. He's still on. He must be uh, traveling through a, a dead zone because uh, it went. Down. Oh no! Well, while we're doing that, we'll tell you that the uh, Blue Jays are up on the Yankees two to one. We told you uh, about the uh, Chicago Cubs and New York Mets. We told you about the Seventy Sixers. Uh, the Phillies don't get underway until ten o'clock. We we'll get a chance to see them tonight. Roger and Tommy, a lot of a lot of action going on as well as the soccer. This is great. Red Sox are up over the uh, Braves, uh, Don four to one, uh, and the uh, uh, the uh, Braves have a man on third uh, with nobody out, and it's the uh, bottom of the fourth inning. And the Sixers are up now, about what twenty four, up by twenty four. Yeah, they're having a walkthrough tonight. 
Roger in that Sixer game is funny. The guy did alley oop to Dwight Howard. He missed a dunk. <laughs> I know he, he missed the dunk. The dunk. <laughs> And then did you see that the you know as Don would say that and that and uh, you know uh, Dave Zinkoff, the doctor was in the house. And, yes, he and is. Did you see AI? AI's put yeah. on a little bit of weight. Jeez, oh, oh, we all have to put on a little bit of weight when we reach past forty. Yeah, well, yeah. Mike, has got, Mike has gotten out of the tunnel, so let's get back again. Give him a chance to finish <laughs> I, up. I, 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 are you are you paying for that phone, Mike, or is it a string phone? It, it, you, you know, I'm not pretty, I'm not 100 percent sure that I'm paying for the phone anymore. Um, I'm sitting in my office where I don't normally tend to do shows because mm. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to do y'all show, and then I got to hop on my own podcast at nine because Ooh. we're doing. We're doing uh, a, a every two days. We're talking about the tournaments that are going on. So um, I got a Ooh, lot going hey, on. Free you got a lot going on. on, Mike. Anybody who wants to talk a little bit of soccer, too many guys soccer show uh, tournament edition. We're on Mondays, Ooh. Wednesdays, and Fridays right now. Good uh, because of the uh, uh, European Cup and the. Copa America, so we're we're doing every two days. Um, we have absolutely Zoom, no clue right? what we're talking Mike? about. Mm-hmm. On Zoom. On, on uh, well, we're on. Uh, you can catch us on uh, YouTube and all wherever you get your your podcasts. Uh, we have no idea okay. what we're doing, but it, it it's simply worth it because London Sean will wake up at two o'clock in the morning. England time to come and talk with us. Wow. And, yeah. It's a good show. I I was on it. It's really good show. I listened to it a couple of times. Very good. We have fun. That's but good. um what I was before I got cut off was talking about uh I don't know if you all saw it, but Christian Eriksen, the Danish midfielder, collapsed on the field and had a cardiac Ooh. event oh, you're on kidding. Saturday. Yeah, I saw that in the paper. Um, mm. To the point where they had to use the AED, and they said he was dead on the field before they before the medical personnel intervened oh, and resuscitated him. Uh, I have been through this before with soccer. If you go back to two thousand and three. Uh, Mark Vivian Foe, the Cameroonian player, actually had a cardiac event and died on the field mm. in the uh, Confederations Cup. Um, Twelve, uh, a, a player from uh, Bolton had a cardiac event, and they used the AED to resuscitate him. At the time, it was an event because not many soccer stadiums had ADs on hand, and they were able to bring him back. Hmm. This time around, um, Christian Eriksen collapsed in the the, uh, 43rd minute of the game. Uh, They had to do CPR and use the AED on him. But they resuscitated him, and he just released from the hospital an Instagram uh, post today. He he doesn't know exactly what went on, but he's doing all right. 
and he, that's he, fantastic. He that really is a fantastic <laughs> story. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's not even the word for it. It's just a miracle. It's a miracle. That's it, but miracle. Roger, when I talk to you about how we, in the moment, were talking about this, and we really thought that we lost them. Mm-hmm. Um, see them doing chest compressions through the feed. And I'll get on to that in a second, but I could see them doing chest compressions. And I was trying to be optimistic and saying, oh, he's going to make it. He'll be all right. They've stabilized him enough to the point where they stabilized him enough. They were able to treat him and move him. But there was a significant portion of time where we, about 45 minutes, where we thought we had lost him on the field. And which brings me to my other point. I'm mad at ESPN, gentlemen. If you have something going on like that, please, please, please do not lose your humanity and decide to show it. ESPN Mm. chose to go down to a ground-level feed where we could actually see them doing chest compressions on this man. Yeah, we don't need that. We don't need that. And no. then they chose to also focus on his his partner. The uh, team brought his girlfriend down, and she was clearly in shock as she's trying to figure out whether her partner is dead or alive. And they just oh, put a camera on her for about three or four minutes. Mm-mm-mm. I cannot yeah. believe that we have lost our humanity to the point where we as a sports company, we as sports people chose to show a man dying for 10 minutes. And they chose to focus on his partner who's clearly in distress when there was absolutely no need to do that. There are protocols Mm. where if there's a streaker who runs on the field, we can cut away. That's but right. we chose to show this. We chose to show a man dying and his partner in oh. stress. Uh, how, awful is, uh, how awful is ESPN for that? Very bad. That's bad. You can't, you can't. You're supposed to show the soccer game. Entertainment, no, things like that happen. You go back to the studio to do the, uh, have a soccer food or just talk about what's going on in sports. You don't show a guy death on the field. Guys, you remember when um, the they Eagle went to a ground-level feed and Tommy where oh. I could actually see them doing chest compressions on You're the guy me. who was dying. Well, Mike, I think uh, one thing about the the TV, uh, I mean, it's been very, very intrusive for a number of years. Uh, Phil Mustick's been writing about it in the New York Post for years and years and years, uh, especially when they do the Little League coverage. How, uh, you know, they focus in on these kids that are 12 years old and, uh, you know, lose a a key game and how they, uh, you know, to how intrusive they can be when things are really bad. And uh, mm-hmm. you're you're exactly right. We're, we're never going to change it, I guess, because the powers that be, uh, that's what they want, and so that's what we're going to get, I guess. 
this this was sensationalism. That's what it is. This was yeah, gentlemen, this was the height of and, and this was the height of intrusivism. And the worst part about it is I know from my time working with people who do TV, there was a producer in the van who said, let's do this. Yeah, let's oh, use, sure, absolutely. Let's hmm. use well, Mike, thank you very much. And uh, we're going to get to the uh, U.S. Open here in just a second. Doug Hamilton is, uh, is with us. But uh, well, thank you for I'll your insight in that, uh, in that category. And also – uh, I'm sorry we uh, we sort of lost you there for a period of time, and uh, we'll make up for it next week. He's already Thank gone. you, Mike. Thank you. Okay. Mike, have a good week. He's Thanks, already Mike. gone, Roger. Yeah, he had a Doug, go. Like Doug Hamilton. His, uh, uh, we, we we talked to the traveling golfer in the second uh, <laughs> segment of the show tonight, and uh, he just finished, uh, I think, what do you say, 19 TV shows. Uh, that uh, so he was not going to go out to California for the Open, but he, yeah, thirty it's days he was on the road doing doing TV yeah. shows. So, uh, but well. Doug, uh, it's a very very big week for golf. Uh, the mm-hmm. U.S. Open, uh, where they're playing it, how they're playing it, and everybody hopes mm-hmm. obviously Mickelson will stay in the hunt. Uh, just mm-hmm. some of your observations before we talk about mm-hmm. your club and your golf. Yeah, U.S. Open. I mean, it's uh, it's big time. You know, I think it's uh, it's it's the championship. You know, that everybody wants to win. It's the national championship. You know, and uh, the the very methods that um, that golf uses, USDA uses to you know have it as an open tournament where anybody can you know go to a qualifying site and um, you know and play and and hopefully make that cut and, and move on to you know play in the U.S. Open. It's um, it's a great story for a lot of individuals, um, you know, that um, otherwise wouldn't have had that opportunity. And as you mentioned, I mean, it's a great story for, you know, a lot of existing guys that are on tour. I mean, look at Phil Mickelson and uh, mm-hmm. what uh, Colin, Colin Moore, Callow and, and guys like that that are from, you know, California, all those guys, you know, you probably have some guys that are on exemptions that are getting near the end of their exemption. Uh, some of the aging veterans and, you know, rookies yeah. that want to make a name for themselves and, um, you know, the, the U.S. Open is great because it's always paired with, you know, Father's Day weekend. And, yes. you know, so many golfers, myself included, were given the opportunity to play golf by our fathers. So, I mean, it coincides yeah, with, yeah. you know, what's good about the game and what's good about, you know, people that pass that baton to you so that you can carry it. And, um, you know, my father did that for my sister and I. And, um, you know, my sister's doing it for her her daughter. And, um you know, it's it's a great scenario, um, you know, to, you know, hoist the trophy to, of your national championship on Father's Day weekend and hopefully oh. reflect back on, you know, who gave you that opportunity. So. That's right. I agree with Tommy. that. But I agree with what Doug was saying. That at two, at 275, Doug, going to work today at the arena, I see, I see the flashing sign. What would Dad say if you're speeding? <laughs> you know, flashing sign right. there, but. But I, I mean, right. I, I get it back. I still remember the U.S. Open was special. That's a special time. You know, you just sit down with your dad, watch the tournament, watch the tournament. And, and I was very fortunate to win out to two tournaments in Marion, 71 and 80 up there. I was very fortunate to watch those two tournaments. But, yeah. I, you know, I, we said before, I got to go with Phil Mickelson. I mean, you know, when he's hot, he's hot. He's, he's got the home, <laughs> home field advantage. 
you know, that's a, that's a, that's a good sign right there. And, yeah. and I hope he, hope he has a successful. Um, what's your golf tip of the week right now? These it's hot in Maryland. And you know, what do you tell the golfers right now? What, you know, what do you tell them to do this way? Hit the balls first or go tee it up? Yeah, we, um, we, we talk all the time, um, you know, as a, as a segue to, you know, with Donald saying about what's going on at the club. I mean, our, our facility is a very challenging golf course and uh, we have um, more of a mature membership who, you know, some of those members have been members there for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, and, you know, I, I always encourage people to play the game from where they can have fun. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, there are so many people that, you know, try to go play golf from the all the way back tees or a set of tees that's, uh, you know, probably too much golf course for them. So um, I always encourage people to play golf from, you know, where where they can uh, have some fun and reach the par fours in two shots and uh, enjoy the game. So, you know. I hear somebody in the background. I don't know where, I don't know where that's coming from, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to keep it down to one person at a time here. Okay. Right. Sounds like an irate listener. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, it was a good point you made, uh, Doug, you know, about your father and Father's Day, and I mentioned it to the top of the show that uh, I just found out today that a fellow that I worked with uh, for a number of years and uh, uh, passed away in January and they're going to have a memorial uh, in September. And uh, right. he was running the Pembroke uh, country club up in Massachusetts. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's uh, Jeremy Roenick's father. So it, you oh. know, that's something in retirement. He was yeah. running a golf course. Wow. Well, Great story. you know, go- golf becomes a second career for, you know, an awful lot of individuals, um, you know, you talk about, you know, police and fire and, and different individuals that might military that might start that when they're, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, they put their, you know, 20, 25, 30 years in, and all of a sudden they're, you know, 40, 50 years old looking for something to do. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you can go through the program, the PGA has instituted to obtain your membership, then, you know, you too can, you know, run a golf course or a golf shop or, or whatever the case may be, teach, et cetera. And so uh, you see a lot of individuals that are, you know, of my age or older that, that make it a second career. Um, you know, so there's, you know, there's a lot to be said. I mean, you know, the, the golf business isn't as rosy as some people think in, in uh, you know, regards to, you know, playing golf every day or teaching every day or making money hand over fist, but um, it has an, has a lot of upside to it for sure. So, mm. well, that's, well, that's for sure. Because it's a, I I got to agree with that. I think that uh, more and more people are becoming involved, especially as you said, the more leisure time you have, the more opportunity you have to play golf. And uh, sure, uh, you know, well, what's how many tees do you have at your course? And what's what's oh. a close, what's a senior tee? What's a an average mm-hmm. white tee, a blue. What what are, what are the what are the lengths of the of the course on your course? I mean the the all the way back tees that we have are uh, you know the championship of. Um, I mean there's there's one that's I mean it's not even on our our normal scorecard. We have a black set of tees which is like basically mm. one foot in the desert. I mean you're so you're so far back. I mean you're over seven thousand yards. 
Uh, the, the gold tees uh, weigh in um, in that kind of 68, 6,900 yards, which no one really plays, you know, at our facility. Mm-hmm. Most most of our members play our blue tees, which are about 6,500 yards. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'd say I would say that's probably the second the second most popular. The white tees are, you know, up from there. It's like 6,200, and then you go to our mm-hmm. our green tees, which are about 5,500. Um, you know, which some of the ladies um, will, will play uh, the, the most forward set of tees. I mean, they have their red tees, but there's blended mm-hmm. sets of tees. There's a there's a blue white. There's a white green. There's a you know what I mean. So there's there's many many options there uh, for people to find where they can basically reach the par fours into. I and mean, we have several holes that are not not terribly you know like their first hole is like 350 yards you know it's it's not a big deal in terms of a par four um but but there's so much trouble to be found on our golf course because the the rough is very high there's there's tree lined on some holes there's um the greens are are diabolical because of their undulations and their and their size they're very small uh the bunkers are very deep um so you know, there's definitely a premium on finding fairways and hitting balls in center of greens that are hopefully underneath pins so that you can navigate them. But as I mentioned, we have, you know, a, a more mature membership that, you know, will are tending to move up in sets of tees to, to make it a little easier for them, um, mm-hmm. you know, to play the game and still score reasonably well. Tommy, do, uh, do you have a lot of women playing uh doug i'm sorry I just, yeah i mean the uh you mentioned sure. that uh, you know what would the, what um, would the percentage be uh men versus women as far as playing well i think it's um again it's it's more male dominated so i would say um if i had to to tip the scale i would say that the the men's um percentage would be probably 75 percent men 25 percent women and i know that you know, Wednesdays are typically ladies' days. We have a pretty strong showing. Um, on any really Wednesday, we can have, um, you know, 15, 20 women that, that come out and play uh, based on their schedules. Um, you know, but by and large, you know, they'll – It's they're not – I mean, they're, they're, their ladies' Wednesday day is their day. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. most of the time the men are playing, you know, the bulk of the, the rest of the time on weekends. And we do like a little – I think we had 20 guys that came out to play tonight for, you know, a little little cash twilight game that we do. Um, you know, weekend mornings are typically dominated by the men. Um, you know, I've tried to change some of the narrative with regard to our tournaments to offer those to women um, so that they could still feel, um, you know, included um, in terms of the shop. I mean, obviously, I'm uh, doing the best I can to populate it with women's apparel so that they feel like they can come in there and shop and support the club and the shop. Um, you know, so... You know, it's it's been good since I've gotten there. I think I've shown them a light that maybe they haven't seen in years past um, in terms of inclusion. Roger, no, that, that was uh, the uh, I was what I was interested in on what the uh, the percentage was, and I think uh, yeah. Tommy, I think I I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just uh, I was just going to do your question. I think what's the what's the percentages during the day that. Mm-hmm. The ladies' days, Wednesdays, right? And then the men's got the yeah. weekends all the time. Yeah. Well, it's good. Well, I have um, I have a ladies' clinic that I'm uh, – tomorrow night is the first night that I'm offering the clinic, and I think I have maybe eight or ten women that are that are going to attend. And the goal here is to try to get some of the, 
you know, the the women that kind of play, but but maybe they're intimidated by the stature of some of those more experienced women that do. Uh, so out of this, my goal is to create maybe a nine-hole uh, Tuesday league or something <laughs> of that nature so that they can still feel like, you know, they can come out and play and it's not as, um, you know, handicap-based serious or, you know what I mean, those sorts of things. I want them to meet some of the other women. Um, I want them to, you know, utilize the club for – uh, what they're paying for it to be able to eat and drink and, and bring guests and, and shop and those sorts of things. And I think that mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you, if you make a lot of the women happy, I think good things happen with regard to, to how the bulk of the money gets spent because by and large, the decision to join a country club is premised based on the woman um, and her comfortability mm-hmm. there and or the amenities pool, et cetera. And I think that's super important to what we're trying to build there. Doug Hamilton, our special guest, he was a PGA mm-hmm. professional. He's down in the Baltimore area. He joins us each and every week. And back to the PGA for just or for the Open for just a minute, Doug. Uh, some of your personal choices as you look at it: who's hot, who's not, who do you like? Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's seemingly people that that play well in majors. Um, there's seemingly people that play well in, in United States Opens. Um, you know, you had uh, what and Andy North was one that won two uh, two tournaments. Uh, both of them United States Opens. Um, you know, you had um, – I mean, obviously your your sentimental favorite would have to be Phil Mickelson because this is the one that's eluded him so many times. He's just – man, he has just been at the doorstep on a number of occasions just haven't been able to get it done. Um, so, I mean, I think sentimentally you have to, you know, use all of your super strength to, to will his ability to, to at least play well and, and have a chance. Um, you know, but, but Don, we, we talk about this each and every week with, um, you know, just how open the PGA tour is. I mean, I don't think you've seen anybody, you know, really dominate this year. Um, there hasn't been a clear cut. I mean, you've had oscillations in, in, the, in the world rankings and, and individuals that, um, you know, have played well in spurts, but then have not, I mean, Dustin Johnson's been, you know, nowhere this year. I mean, Jordan Spieth has climbed the board, but still hasn't, you know what I mean, um, gotten back to his respectable major form. You know, there's no Tiger Woods. Roy McIlroy is really not a, a presence. So, I mean, you, you could really have anybody that's, you know, front and center on any given week. I mean, John Rahm was the 54-hole leader before he, he had COVID. Um, you know, so, so many people are, are out there. Um, gosh, I mean... You know, Webb Simpson's played well. Um, Patrick Cantlay's um, always kind of there. Um, you know, there's there's just so many good players. I mean, you just don't know who's going to be hot this week. Uh, Tony Finau hasn't really been himself um, as he's played typically pretty well in the past. Um, you know, you, you never know. You might catch somebody like a, I don't know, a Sergio Garcia or, you know, somebody like that that's, you know, just – you know, bumps his head and wakes up and, and plays a couple of good rounds. I mean, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it'd be hard. I mean, you know, Brooks Kepka was the hottest golfer on the planet for a, a stint there in the majors. Um, you know, Bryson DeChambeau, you can never count him out with how far he hits it. Uh, so, I mean, I, be, I would be hard-pressed to sit here and say, okay, well, you know, th- this person is the one I would pick. You know what I mean? Um, right. You know, I, well, I mean – yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, the baseball front, uh, the bets are now up over the Cubs, six to one. The Yankees with a two-run home run by their 
but very unusual catcher has made it three two Yankees now up and uh, they play in Tor- they're not in Toronto but they play in Buffalo as you know until the end yeah. of this month at least and uh, so we'll continue on and, and wait for the yeah. uh, the National Hockey League game to get underway the Knights are playing they'll start at nine o'clock and uh, yeah Red Sox are up over the Braves uh, Don six to three and they brought Miller in in relief for the Braves and it was four three and now they're teeing off on him. Yeah, I see the top of the fifth mm-hmm. inning and uh, up six, uh, six to three, and uh, I did see that. And uh, so, uh, Tommy, you're up. Uh, Doug, what, you know, one one thing: how's your how's your junior golf program coming down there? Usually, bars, I mean, June's a big big time for junior golf. Mm-hmm. They get to yeah. play at different different courses. Do your junior golfers travel like to different country clubs to play each other in, in, in a match plays at all? Or? You know, it's it's an interesting concept. Um, you know, as I mentioned, uh, Woodholm is a predominantly Jewish country club. And um, mm-hmm. when I say predominant, I mean, you're 90 plus percent, you know what I mean, in, in terms of the Jewish faith. So right. Um, right. it's typically uh, the, the, the Jewish kids um, in the summertime will go to sleep away kind of summer camps. So the the, oh. um, and so that's that's kind of a big thing uh, for them to to do so. Whether they um, have, you know, one of the, I don't know, some of them go to Maine, some all, all these different places that they go, and they have you know, almost month or two month long, you know, stays, if you will, where they they do different arts, crafts, sports, etc. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they they have their their quote unquote Jewish Olympics, which is kind of their I think it's called the the Maccabee Games that they that they go participate uh-huh. in. Um, so we, we do have um, some junior uh, programs slash camps, et cetera, but, but um, you know, the population of those is, is somewhat difficult. So um, we, don't, we don't really have a – I mean, the, the big narrative in, in the, the PGA was the PGA Junior League, which was kind of the um, – you know, they, they were trying to, to basically institute the program of junior golf that was going to mirror – um, you know, little league baseball, so to speak, um, to that degree. And there are a lot of clubs that do participate. Uh, we we have such a transient membership that there's just not uh, individuals that are that are that can commit to you know different types of programs, which makes it incredibly difficult for me to run um, you know golf tournaments, golf events, because people are just they travel, they're in town, they're out of town, they're going here, they're going there, they're going on vacations, they're doing all these different things, so I can't even do a men's Twilight League because they're there when they're there and they're not when they're not. So, um, you know, it's it's just a little bit different here. Wow. Wow. Okay, thank you. I always want to ask that question. Yeah, you know, Doug, it's been like that with camps uh, for, for a Jewish community for many years because a number yeah. of my friends, that's how they met uh, guys that it became – uh, mutual acquaintances with me, sure, uh, sure. you know, over the years. And they, and they said, oh, yeah, we met at uh, camp when we were kids, and they stayed, uh, uh, you know, uh, in contact with each other for many years. It's, I think sure. that's great. Yeah. Yep, I agree. So, Well, one thing you can say, Doug, your weather has been conducive with the exception of Memorial Day weekend, which was a Thursday, oh. Friday Saturday, yeah. Sunday, Monday washout. But other than that, uh, really, since uh, since the golf season began, it's been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I told Frank when he packed me in, I'm 
I'm actually sitting on my front porch here with my feet propped up, and uh, it is probably about 60 couple degrees, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. Um, I slept oh, with the man. window open last night. It was it was probably in the oh. 50s, and um, just you know, wonderful sleeping weather where you can just you know have that cool air and, and everything come in. And the mornings have been a little crisp, and it warms up, and, and, and it's you know kind of 75, 80 degrees with lower humidity. I mean, I, I love those kind of days. I, I swear. I just don't like hazy, hot, and humid, and it's 95 and just depressive. You feel like you shoved your face yeah. in an oven when you walk outside, and, you know, you mm-hmm. can sweat peeling an orange if you wanted to on some of those days. I mean, it was just miserable for a couple of days. But the last right the last couple, I mean, we've had some rain. We've had our setbacks for sure. But, um, you know, the season has been strong. Um, the month of May was really good for me in terms of shop sales and you know, the first half of June um, has been wonderful um, in terms of um, members supporting, and I'm looking forward to a big Father's Day weekend uh, in terms of uh, individuals coming in to spend some money, and I've got a couple events coming up that are that are going to be probably um, really good for me in the shop, um, some special orders that, that um, you know, individuals uh, are going to choose me to shop with, and, and um, it's, it's, things are, things are going in the right direction, let's say that. Good. That's great to hear. Well, that's this game that comes five out to the sixth inning. They did, still didn't score. Six to one. The Grom is out of the game now. So uh, this is one of the few games that the Mets have scored runs behind him. So he should get this win with relative ease. Okay, Tommy, you're up. I just got a, got questions for you. You know, you know, like the junior golfers up there, do you have like the – like a men's league anymore? Like you said, a couple of men's leagues. What about the mm-hmm. what about the senior golfers up there? Do they play yeah. mostly in the morning, or, or in the, they have a certain day they play up in your club? No, not necessarily. I don't have any affiliations with um, with any of the the senior kind of things that are you know big in Maryland. Um, you know, we have again, we have um, you know a, a more mature membership, as I've mentioned several times. Um, you know, I think we we consider seniors to be fifty, which um, might be a little bit young, um, you know what I mean? Yes. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they just, you know, they, the, the 50, I mean, our average age has to be golly days. I bet you it's gotta be 65 years old, you know? So we, so we have, you know, a lot of individuals that qualify for that, for that senior kind of status. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, they, they play in their regular groups. They play in the afternoons, yeah. um, you know, so it's, um, they populate, Okay, every once in a while, we hit on equipment. Is there anything new equipment-wise you'd like to touch on, or uh, some other aspect of uh, of the club, other than equipment, clothes, whatever, whatever you want to touch on? Yeah, hey, hold on, guys. Uh, Doug, I mean, we, Doug, uh, Doug Franklin, tick tick tock up against the clock, and, uh, and they uh, mm-hmm. have a question next week would be wonderful, guys. Don, thank we'll you for coming on with that back. next week. All right, that's right, Doug. Thanks Have a great week. We'll see you Friday, Friday night. All right, Frank, uh, and we'll uh, we'll all call in on Friday. Uh, obviously, a tribute to your son, and, and we look forward to that uh, on your Friday show. <laughs> and Doug, thank you very, very much as always. Of and course. Tommy, close it out. Well, thank you, Don. It's always a pleasure having our legends on, Don Henderson, Roger right. Hendler. Everyone supporting Frank, for, as they say in Cleveland, spending the dollars or keeping us on here. I like to thank. Let's check them Hall of Fame hockey announcer, Mr. Roy Cummings. Um, Billy Wendell, let's hope, his, let's hope his wife gets out of the hospital real soon. And keep, keep, 
keep his wife in our prayers. I'm doing that. We'll do that tonight. And, of course, my Simzak and Doug Hamilton. Al Frank, for my family, your family, great. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to do the show on Friday night with you. It should be a fun time and a great tribute. And thank you for thank you for your hard work in producing the show, Frank. Good night. Okay, thanks, Tony. So you can gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation. The men and women of the United States Armed Forces, the men and women of police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please let them know you know they're there. These are very, very tough times for those in uniform. These programs are dedicated to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman <clears throat> uh, Jeffrey Colcott, Sergeant Thomas Bajinger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazwitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Lieutenant Mike Zerva, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman Anafa Crispin, uh, Lakeland PD, Chief Al Hogan, Longwood Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA, Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy uh, Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Robert Germain, Windermere, Florida Police Department, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Kotloff, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Lieutenant Deborah Chapman, uh, Orange County Police Department, I'm sorry, Orlando Police Department, Delaware um, State Trooper Sergeant uh, Red, Red, Rodney Bond, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Arth Hope, Wilmington Fire Department, FDLE Special Inspector Benny Galaccio, Delaware State Trooper Corporal Stephen Bauer, Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt Baxter, Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Abel Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Department, Officer Bob McCatchen, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol, Sergeant Brian LeVake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, and Deputy Mike Malik, Pinellas County Sheriff's Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, at some time will be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the rose rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your face. May the sun shine lightly on you on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families holy in the hallow of his hands. Good night. God bless and have a great weekend.
Good night, Bob. We love you and we miss you.